Hello everyone, it's me, Blair W. Cohen, your host of the Pop Call Review. So I'm going to get right to the point. I want to talk about Victoria Monet. I don't want to beat around the bush. Um, ever since I listened to Jaguar 2 and I guess in retro listen, the first Jaguar EP, um, and how similar yet different these two albums are and the... Um, way we can look at these two albums and notice how um someone who uh is a songwriter and 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 composer and uh kind of contributes black influence into pop spaces and when they do their own work how much just just how full the experience is as far as their albums go and really um, kind of pushing the narrative or pushing the reality of, you know, you can hold someone's hand through influence, but a lot of times it's not going to hit the same way as the person who is doing the influencing, if that makes sense. So enter Victoria Monet, right? A lot of people are familiar with Victoria for writing on, I want to say, all of Ariana Grande's albums. Um, and I personally don't like calling her Ariana's writer, like I know a lot of people do, because she's clearly so much more than that. And she's also written for plenty of other artists as well. However, it is fair to say that stylistically, she is behind Ariana's, you know, kind of R&B, trap sound, uh, slash cadence in a lot of her records prior to the pandemic. Uh, I will also give credit to uh, Taylor Parks for that as well, you know. There's a lot of interviews from the Sweetener and Thank You Next eras that Ariana refers to Victoria as her best friend, or Victoria is also present during performances and interviews um, during this during these eras. I think it's only this year that when people really actually heard Victoria's speaking voice, it was clear how close she and Ariana actually are, considering that their speaking voices sound almost identical to each other. So a lot of folks really got into Victoria as a solo artist during the pandemic slash lockdown um, around 2020. She is in the same wheelhouse as I would say Chloe and Hallie's Ungodly Hour for me, which I believe she also wrote on. Um, but it also came out in 2020 as well. And also kind of um, that Tiana Taylor album that came out in 2020 as well. So there was like a very specific sound and artists that were being pushed forward in 2020. Unfortunately, you know, it was during the pandemic. So, or specifically lockdown right so I just feel like we kind of had to experience them in this type of funnel of <laughs> like um, I guess like at home experiences right 
Oh, and we can even add Normani to this. Um, and I believe that Victoria also wrote for her as well. A lot of new R&B darlings were on the rise. And one common thing that they all seem to possess besides like this immense talent is that as we call them quote unquote new R&B darlings, most of them have been around for a very long time, which is why I say it's so unfortunate that, uh, you know, a lot of their like debut or premiere albums really came out during the pandemic the reality was a lot of them were just like not mainstream or they weren't solo yet or they were just kind of like collaborating with other artists at the time or just like kind of just like working with other artists right because that's kind of what tiana was doing too she was kind of doing something very similar to victoria in the sense of like Victoria was writing, composing, Tiana is writing and and being a creative director for hella people. And she still is, I'm pretty sure. But before the pandemic, like 2019-ish, we were very much in a like trap and B type of space. A lot of R and B artists were like kind of moving throughout that space as well. Um, doing this mixture of trap music with R&B. It was also something that the pop girls were also starting to do. And overall, there was a big longing for mainstream R&B. And don't get me wrong, there are R&B artists who were still doing R&B in that chunk of the late 2010s uh, time. But I feel like it was very like sequestered. And I think now we're seeing the effects of the folks from 2020, um, who had releases finding their mainstream footing with R&B again. Um, R&B is kind of on the pinnacle of mainstream once more, uh, which is, which in truth, it hasn't been in quite some time. Uh, there's another R&B album that I will be reviewing right after Victoria's as my proof, and it's not even an American artist. I saw another music journalist on TikTok. Um, I do not remember their name and I should have saved it. They were talking about how the effects of the R&B lack has led to a lot of people not even being able to recognize R&B for R&B anymore and how even the charts are reflecting that it's been so long that general consumption of R&B is being treated as like a niche type of music interest, which is kind of insane because there was a point in time where you cannot turn on the radio without hearing R&B pop or pop R&B, however you want to describe it, but pop, but R&B was pop music. It was literally one of the mainstays of pop music, probably, I want to say like um, late 90s, early 2000s, slight mid 2000s, right? But I will do my uh, due diligence next time in saving the name of my reference. I'm very sorry to that TikTok creator for not remembering, but they made a very great point. Um, anyways, so 2020, Victoria releases her EP Jaguar. It is legit one of my favorite albums to just kind of let play. It's very thematic in the sense that it has a particular funk, psychedelic, and disco-infused R&B sound. Something we've talked about thoroughly over here before, the 70s influence on, cur on current popular music. Obviously, we've talked about the artists who who are able to do this in their own way. And the course the sound would run as all pop music trends, you know, tend to do. Once they realize that people are gravitating towards certain sounds, aka it ending up, you know, oversaturated on the radio, 
and lacking a lot of the original integrity of the sound that we'd hear from like an artist like Victoria, right? But not everyone is Victoria Monet. And her history is extensively long and thorough in this industry. She started out in a girl group under Dark Child, aka Ronnie Jerkins. Then she began working as a songwriter for pop stars when that fell through. And her influence is so big on the artists that she has worked with. And um, eventually she landed herself here where she has all the beautiful sonic textures of your grandparents' old funk and soul music, but the voice of a R&B pop darling of the mid-2000s. It's a beautiful chemistry of happenings and it makes her stand out entirely with some of her peers. The Jaguar EP is, in my personal opinion, a masterclass on how writing for someone is great, but a reminder that if you have the voice, the technique, the pen, and the talent, you could, you could actually just do it yourself and usually much better, especially when there is a wow factor about you. So Jaguar is a nine-track EP, and besides all the other praise and critical acclaim of this EP, there is something I love very particular about Victoria overall that we see, and that is how unafraid she is to be sexual in her music and in a very playful way. It's a nice reminder that the rap girls aren't the only ones who can drop the little, you know, like fun little uh, one-liners about their sexual prowess, and that R&B doesn't have to always be, you know, heartbreak and gloom, which we know from the past, but mainstream R&B has separated um, from that concept where women have been concerned for a very long time, especially as pop music is experiencing a kind of puritanism <laughs> veil under the guise of some younger consumers. Beyond the leading single, As Like That, some of my favorites off this EP are Dive, we, uh, we Might Even Be Falling In Love interlude, which is entirely too short as most interludes are, and of course the actual title track, Jaguar, where she harmonizes with herself on a very catchy she hug, uh, supersonic pussycat, just like a jaguar, silky black, slut me climb, your wood like that, you got nine times to come hit that. That is so catchy, so clever. That is a great pin at work. Um, anyways, <laughs> it is one of those albums you can listen to from front to back. No skips, no notes, <laughs> and because it's an EP, it's under 30 minutes. Uh, I believe Babyface is even in those credits if you need to know how legit Victoria is because we love Babyface over here, as I think I've said before. But as much as I love this EP, this is not what I want to actually talk about. It's actually Victoria's uh, debut album, Jaguar 2. If I'm not mistaken, Jaguar 2 was delayed, but it is actually here now and it was released in August of this year and again was met with high critical acclaim and I know Victoria mentioned at one point that Jaguar was meant to be a trilogy situation and I'm not sure if it still will be but we can hope so based on just kind of the rollout and the um overall reception of Jaguar 2 so I do hope that she is working on Jaguar 3 or she will. Jaguar 2 is fun for me because I love synchronistic albums. I love when you can hear real-time evolution of an artist by their you know next album. I try not to be a stickler about it but we know I've felt let down in the past by acts that don't actually evolve and continue to throw pasta at the wall you know. You can do the same thing but something eventually does have to change. Um, that's even the format of building a song, right? You know, the last chorus can't sound like the first chorus, so we move. Um, Jaguar 2 is that. 
is Victoria working with longtime friend slash producer D Mao, who also worked on An Evening with Silk Sonic, an album that feels sort of like Jaguar 2's cousin, right? Um, the album opens up with Smoke with Lucky Day and has the makings of what I imagine a Parliament Funkadelic would sound like if they debuted in the 21st century. <laughs> Lucky Day and Victoria's voices mesh so well together as they sing a song about exactly what you think it's about. Uh, Victoria is notoriously known for writing catchy hooks and one-liners, as I've mentioned, but as she sings about a bisexual blunt, it goes both ways. Like, again, this woman, her pen. Anyways, it's followed by Smoke Reprise, a minute and a half almost interlude by Victoria herself with a funky bass-driven, slower continuation of the opening song's sentiments. One thing that is super noticeable about Jaguar 2 is Victoria's use of her lower register singing voice while Jaguar had a more higher floaty feeling to her voice, I guess. Um, some speculate it's because of the changes in her voice after pregnancy. Um, this is something that happened to Beyonce, notably as well after both of her pregnancies, that her voice became fuller and a bit heavier than it originally was. And I don't know if this is true for Victoria or not at all. I don't really care to speculate, but it is really nice to hear these deeper vocals on songs like uh, Party Girls featuring Buju Bonten. I hope I'm saying it right. Buju. Buju. Banton, sorry, how does it make you feel in the conclusion of the album, uh, which is the song Goodbye. However, we still hear a lot of Victoria's um, floatier vocals and even those reminiscent of like a 2000s Carrie Hilson. I remember back then on some of Carrie's vocals, people would comment that she had the same range of like an adolescent Michael Jackson. And it's funny with the Victoria uh, comparisons because she has it as well on certain songs. But obviously, the big song off this album is On My Mama, which interlopes Charlie Boy's I Look Good from 2009. It has all the makings of a 2023 hit. Uh, so it went viral for the dance, which was choreographed by Sean Bankhead, of course. It went viral for the music video's aesthetic. It has Victoria's fun one-liners, it's catchy, and it's very familiar to the ear. At the same time, it doesn't stray from the sound of the Jaguar projects because it's funky and psychedelic as well. It also has a 2000s R&B groove to it as well. It really it showcases how incredibly talented Victoria is as an all-around entertainer and proves that when the call came, she was ready, she was prepared, she didn't have to get herself ready to be a star because she already is one. Um, I remember there was a lot of push to get Victoria to perform at this year's VMAs, but they said she wasn't ready. Or I believe they said um, she <laughs> she wasn't a big enough star yet, which is actually kind of insane. And I feel like they realized after the fact how much they missed out on what could have been a very big and viral moment uh, because that's what the VMAs usually is about. It's always been about the big moments, the big talked about moment, moments, the big word of mouth moments, and now these days the viral moments. There were some performers that have performed on the VMAs last year that were performing this year. Artists that, while good, weren't having this cool cultural moment that Victoria has been having lately. And you know how I got on MTV last year. And my point still remains, nothing that I said in that episode about the VMAs last year has changed. Nothing. Not a thing. Uh, I would not change it for anything, which is why I didn't even make commentary or make an episode about this year's because I still feel the same way. Was it better? Sure. But was it what it could have been? 
absolutely not. Um, <laughs> they're still missing the mark and you can tell that either execs over there don't actually have their ears and eyes to the ground or it's about, you know, maybe label labels filling pockets, maybe, possibly, I'm not saying that's true, I'm just saying maybe. Um, because even if Victoria had done the pre-show, it still would have been amazing. I just don't understand the concept of saying someone like Victoria Monet is not ready to perform on a stage like that, when there are plenty of other artists who definitely were not. But whatever. So I'm sure the award show season coming up over the next several months, especially I guess in the early spring, will make the most out of the public's interest in Victoria. At least we can hope so. It's just a shame that at the height of um, Ama Mama, MTV fumbled again in favor of fandom coattail riding, which you know how I feel about that. Um, overall, I really like Jaguar 2. I enjoy the two albums we have so far. I know Victoria is on tour at the moment and is killing it. From the clips I've seen, the crowd is really receptive to her. She's actually getting the crowds that she deserves, um, which I know is really hard for a lot of um, a lot of the artists who have maybe who who really got big during lockdown or the pandemic or even just like garnered new fans during that time as well I know a lot of the crowds have been really weird <laughs> so I'm happy that Victoria is having her moment and I hope that she gets to tour again after this in even bigger venues and have an even wider receptive crowd because she deserves it um, I'm very curious what Jaguar 3 will sound like and how she'll evolve even further with it and, of course, after it. I really feel like that R&B has been on the precipice of returning to mainstream music and it seems that, you know, at the moment, Victoria is very much a part of that. So yeah, this wasn't meant to be long at all. It's just one of those episodes where we're starting our introductions for certain artists on this podcast so that we can always return to them later and not have to go through the whole back and forth of, you know, introducing them to the show or introducing them to the artist. It's kind of just like a, hey, go listen to this type of thing. It's what I've been listening to. It's what I enjoy. Because at the end of the day, that's what this podcast is about. It's not always just these heavy reviews or big commentary. I just want to say go listen to Victoria Monet. <laughs> um, and no way am I being told to say that. No one is paying me to say that. I just want you to go listen to Victoria Monet, especially as I feel like R&B is really about to have a very big mainstream moment again. Um, but yeah, um, it's just one of those things where I just like also keeping certain episodes kind of in my pocket so we can always return to them later and we can see what has changed or what has developed for these artists. And I'm really excited to continue following Victoria's journey um, as a solo artist and as a writer because I don't know, she might go back to just songwriting or doing both. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what she decides to do. So again, thank you so much for listening to the Popcorn Review. Um, have another episode that should be up very soon after this one. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, but as usual, if no one has told you today, I love you and I care about you. Take care of yourself the best way that you know how. And like I said, I'll be back sooner than you think. So until then, bye.